This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Firstly, I'd like to thank uh, Pastor Chris for continually coming here every week and just giving us amazing sermons uh, and giving us just, you're just such a good leader and a guider, so I really appreciate that. I'd also like to say thank you to all the other leaders, uh, the Sunday school teachers. I would like to say thank you to the the uh, teachers that lead the children, the teachers that lead the teens church. We truly appreciate everything you've done for us. And lastly, I would like to give us, uh, let us give us a round of applause to the parents. For without them, we would not be here today. Thank you. Uh, can I please have my slides, please? Thank you. Today, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of steadfast courage. Uh, seeing as the theme of today's Children's Day concerns bravery, I thought it would be a good idea to sort of center it around that. Uh, first of all, the definitions. Steadfast means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering, and courage means the ability to do something that frightens one, i.e. bravery. We will be taking a quick look at the renowned story of David and Goliath, which can be found in 1 Samuel 16 to 17. Now, David was a young man in the Bible who was the youngest of eight children. He was in charge of tending to his father's sheep, uh, and although he was described as healthy and good-looking, being the youngest son uh, out of eight meant that he wasn't really considered that important. In fact, when Samuel came to Jesse's household under the command of God to anoint Israel's new leader, he wasn't initially included in the lineup of Jesse's sons. He was preoccupied with tending the sheep, and it was only really an afterthought to the whole process. Essentially, because of his youth, he wasn't considered as very capable. This is a theme that repeats itself throughout the story. In contrast, Goliath, of course, was seen as more than capable. You know, he was over nine feet tall, large in stature, had heavy armor, had years upon years upon years of practice as a Philistine warrior, and he was just overall incredibly terrifying. He posed a challenge to the Israelites that they should choose one man from their tribe to battle him on one-on-one -on -one combat. And then whoever who survived, their tribe would have the others as servants. Okay, now to probably visualize just how formidable this man was, let's, take, let's contextualize this. So 1 Samuel 17, 25 tells us that the man who killed Goliath would be awarded considerable wealth, Saul's daughter's hand in marriage, uh, would, have, would be exempt from taxes, and of course he would have an incredible boost in status and fame because he would be the one seen as the person who bested Goliath, this great obstacle. 1 Samuel 17, 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. This fear was so great that not even one man, not the most reckless, not the most brave, not even one man, not the one most desperate to earn a fame and in, in money, none of them came up. He was that terrifying. Hence, it makes sense why David was doubted when he initially stepped up to the challenge. Of course he was doubted. He was a youth of, who, of course, had years of experience playing the lyre, but not with a sword. He wanted the Israelites to put their faith, their trust, their one and only chance in changing the tide of this war in a child that looked after sheep. It makes logical sense 
why he was doubted. But fortunately for us, God doesn't work using human logic. When David heard Goliath's offer, when he was at the camp delivering food to his brothers, he was peeved. He said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 1 Samuel 17, 26. For younger ones present, uh, reproach in this context means to disgrace or to humiliate. The Philistines were essentially humiliating the Israelites, a people chosen by God himself. And David was righteously angry at such a disappointing situation. There are many verses which show this theme of David bearing indignant frustration. This is a key point of notice because this should be our action and our response when faced with obstacles, when faced with challenges that seem daunting to us. He didn't cower away or run in fear. He wasn't uh, rambling as well. He wasn't just putting up a front of confidence. No, he had bravery. He had courage because he put his confidence in God. He wasn't boasting of his own ability, but he was boasting of God's ability because he knew that it far surpassed those of humans and that of Goliath's. Fear wasn't present within his heart because the space was already occupied by a complete and utter faith in God. Now, David's little ramblings got him noticed by Saul, who questioned his words when he called him over. Saul said, specifically in verse 33, that you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him, for you are a youth, and he's a man far from youth. Age is once again brought up. No, he just couldn't go up against Goliath because he simply hadn't lived long enough. Oh, I I couldn't possibly overcome this obstacle in my life because I'm just not old enough. I'm not the right gender. People like me just don't do sort of things like that. Does that sound familiar? Oh, I, could, I would have done it, you know, if I'd been a few years younger. Uh, I just can't do it, you see, because it's just not in my nature. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> and I understand, of course I understand. We see the world around us, and we see what age people are doing things at, and we see what type of people are doing things, and we think, oh, I couldn't possibly, because we're afraid of being laughed at, or we're afraid of being judged, or we're afraid of failure, or we're just afraid. But remember, we're Christians. We know our strength doesn't come from our own ability. It comes from the Lord's. And with God, all things are possible. 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37 shows David's response. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its bird and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will surely deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Wow. Just wow. You know, when I first read this passage when I was coming and preparing with this for this today, uh, it's just, I was absolutely amazed at the way David minimizes uh, the obstacle of Goliath by comparing it to his former animal foes. Of course, I'm not saying uh, that a lion or a bear is particularly easy to defeat. I mean, surprisingly, I probably couldn't defeat one. Uh, but let's be real here. This was a completely different ballgame altogether. Goliath had the strength that the lion had, but he also had more height weight, training, armor, another game completely. And so sometimes I think that we see obstacles like this, we see how great they are, we see how terrifying they seem. They seem seem even more terrifying than all the other things that we've already overcome. 
and we're so scared and we're so frightened. But David wasn't like that. He was in phase. He essentially said, if God did it before, God can definitely do it again. And so I completely understand the Bible verse that talks about us needing to have faith similar to a child. It makes perfect sense. When we grow up and we're having to deal with greater and greater challenges, and we're having to deal with failure or things just not turning out the way we want it to, it can limit our perspective of God's power. I mean, the disciples literally saw a man rise from the dead, and they still doubted Jesus' resurrection. It didn't stop Peter from denying Jesus three times either. These fears we have, they attempt to limit God's power in our minds. Suddenly, he's not the all-powerful God anymore, and he needs just the right person to perform miracles. But I digress. Um, David walked right up to Goliath you know, without any armor, uh, and although Saul had offered him some, he refused, and with only five pebbles and a sling. Again, Goliath took one look at him and scoffed at his age. He said, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. 1 Samuel 17, 42. However, David wasn't really living in this physical world that Goliath and the Israelites were, or at least he knew of the other that existed. Remember in 2 Kings 6, when Elisha and his servant were surrounded in their city by the large Syrian army? Elisha prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened, and then the Bible says, Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. In verse 16, Elisha says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In your situation, those that are with you will be a hundred times more than those who are against you in Jesus' name. But David understood this very well. We humans are visual creatures, you know. We're so fixated on what we can see that we often overlook anything else. The Israelites were so fixated on Goliath's appearance that they overlooked the fact that they had someone who could render Goliath useless in a heartbeat. We're also very forgetful creatures. In times of crises, we forget the countless things that God has done for us that more than prove his ability. We fixate and we forget. In life, we deal with Goliaths. When we are young, we are fearful about going, we're making friends, going to school, passing exams. When we grow up, we start worrying about university, getting a job, getting married, buying a car, buying a house, having a child. We start worrying about pensions and taxes and social situations and family matters. We lose sleep over these things. We start becoming mentally and emotionally drained. We sleep and we sleep and we complain. We're fearful, as if we don't have someone who's just waiting for us to call upon him, as if any situation is too big for him to solve, as if we're all alone in ourselves and we, we just don't have any, anywhere else to turn to. We're visual creatures. Physical prowess scares us. We're scared about the many challenges of life. We're worrying about not having the typical armor or sword to battle our Goliath. Uh, and when we really need to be saying is, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, 
whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the, Israel, the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all earth may know that there is a God. Then this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save us with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Lastly, David was described a few times in this tale. One of these times was in 1 Samuel 16, 18, where one of Saul's servants recommended uh, David to Saul as a, to be his musician. He said, he's a, brave and, he's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well, and he's a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. And the Lord is with him. How many of us can truly say that that is the case concerning us? That someone who's a complete stranger can just look upon us and know that there's something different about them. That there's something unique that they just can't figure out. How many of us can truly say that that is the case? Steadfast courage, true, long-lasting courage that is substantial and is unwavering only comes from the Lord. You cannot find it anywhere else. And this kind of courage is undoubtedly superior to any other's. David wasn't faced at Goliath's human strength. He used a sling to throw a pebble at the giant's forehead, having complete and utter faith that God would prevail. And he did. It didn't take two or three tries. He didn't have to continue stand there throwing rocks at the giant's head and hoping that one of them would make him topple. No, he only had to throw one. Human strength is nothing without a strong, godly foundation. Samson was a clear proof of that. This strength can only be developed through the, a deep and proper relationship with God. That is why Joseph ex escaped the same trap that Samson fell for. Having a relationship with God is essential. It is not enough to simply be born in a Christian home. Your journey to godly-driven strength starts from surrendering your life to Christ and is maintained by a constant, dependent relationship with God. Bring him into everything, even issues that seem so trivial. We all know the phrase that says, oh, nothing's too big for God, but we also don't really think about the fact that nothing is too small for God either. Develop a relationship with God and no Goliath, big or small, will be able to hinder you. Remember, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Thank you. <laughs> can we close our eyes to pray, please? Father, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you please help us develop a good and strong relationship with you so that we may overcome our battles and that we overcome the challenges that face us in life. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for guiding us. For in Jesus' name I prayed. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.